What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the HBO's podcast. We're the hoes and hosts, Sam and Maddie. Hello. <laughs> uh, today we are talking about um, the infamous show, The Idol, season one, episode three, titled Daybreak. Uh, written and directed by Sam Levinson, also written by The Weeknd, a.k.a. Te- uh, Abel Tesfaye and Reza Fahim. And I'll just start it off really quick with the um, IMDb description of this episode. So that goes, as Tedros inserts himself into Jocelyn's life by offering input on her wardrobe and collaborators, Leia brings her growing concerns to Chaim and Destiny. Wow, that's kind of vague, but... Mm, I mean... It, yeah, they can't give it all away. Yeah, it's the point. Yeah. Uh, and also, everybody, spoiler warning, we are talking about everything the idol up into the current episode, episode three, two, and one, as well as some euphoria spoilers, um, because we will be comparing Sam Levinson did that series as well as this one. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of parallels. So we just mm-hmm. want to say skedaddle and come mm-hmm. back after you've watched Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall thoughts uh, you know the thing is it's hard for me to think about overall thoughts because there's so many dynamic things happening in this and there's so many different things that it's like okay I like this but I don't like that or I love this but like I, if I tweaked this a little bit I think I'd like it a little bit better or if this person didn't just say this one thing I might have liked the sequence so mm. I mean, it's tough we, um, what Maddie and I just did just as a quick, because we don't ever want to go into it too much out like offline because we want to save all our juice for these bits. But, oh. um, <laughs> I did like that. We just quickly gave it a letter rating. And so my letter rating for this episode was a C. And I think that that kind of covers it. We'll go, I'll go more, you know, we'll go more into the details mm-hmm. as we go, but yeah, and for me, uh, on overall thoughts and my grade would be a B plus. There was a lot of things that I really enjoyed, and I think a lot of it had to do with certain things that were said, like the literal verbiage of what was being said. I thought mm-hmm. there was some really powerful things, mm-hmm. um, and I really liked that. So I also just want to start off with my overall thoughts on uh, Sam Levinson. So mm-hmm. when I was watching this episode, I had like a like a small epiphany about Sam Levinson as a director and what he's been doing and what he's been criticized for. Um, you know, I think what I've noticed is that he loves love. Sometimes the way that he tells it is really beautiful, even when it's really tragic or hard. Mm -hmm. And I realized, I think that he really likes telling those types of stories because they're more real. We've all had situations, of course, this is Hollywood, it's dramatized, it's extreme, but we've all felt these feelings. We've all been in like abusive spaces, you know, like that is the learning curve of life. Mm -hmm. Um. I hate to be harsh. And I also just want to say maybe a trigger warning for this episode because there's a lot of, I think, abuse that happens. And, you know, so as we kind of go on, just, you know, this is going to be like, there's a, there was a lot of abuse and kind of clouded in like goodness. We'll get into that. But 
Um, you know, and another thing I wanted to say is on that line of Sam Levinson loving to tell these harder love stories, I think The Weeknd also does. Mm-hmm. The Weeknd loves love. We know that. We've seen his, like, relationships publicly. He doesn't just date them and fucking ditch them. Like, he, yeah. he is in those relationships. And I think that he has probably dealt with some really hard things and he likes the truth of the matter. I think that's probably yeah. why they connected for this show. Yeah. Well, and I think to support that just really quickly is that um, he had a couple original songs that were shown in this and I really listened to the yes. lyrics of them. Um, and yeah, the lyrics are telling, especially the second song later on in the episode where we get we're starting yes. to dive more into lily aka jocelyn's story yeah okay agreed, but agreed. um the other thing just a quick thing and maybe i could save this for later but i'm just gonna say it now is that i really really hope that we get some flashback scenes of jocelyn's mom oh god as i don't horrible as that may uh, i don't see it i disagree i'm so i disagree i like that we're disagreeing on this because i, I think, think it goes that, either way so curious you know even though she might tell it or explain it i'm like fuck dude oh, like, i don't I, think i need to after that scene and we'll really do a deep dive on that scene because that was that was the scene that started to shift my perspective of this show um, but I, well, I just, I just don't think I need to see anymore. Just, and I'll just leave no, it at that. No. And I get that. And I think just to clarify, I don't really want to see the abuse, but I do want to see how Jocelyn was handling it, how everyone was handling it around her. Like it does make me curious. I mean, um, I think that if I had a theory, I think that we will see exactly what she would have been like now. Sure. Now and- that. You know, my point on this and my last overall thought, this again, trigger warning reminded me a lot of surviving R. Kelly. And there's been a lot of rhetoric around how does this happen? How does that type of thing happen? And I think that this episode and this series is really giving a good depiction so far of how those types of things do happen. I think that we are starting to have a lot more rhetoric around that and people are starting to understand like how this infiltration is like a slow burn. Yeah. Um that I think is why I want to see a little bit more of how she handled it and how other people handled it because I'm like how did you end up so easily in Tedros's pull? Yeah. You know, like, how fucking terrible was this? I mean, it must have been awful. I don't need to see it, but I am definitely polarized. I'm intrigued. I I hate to say that because I don't want to be intrigued by someone else's trauma, even if it is a story, but it... I think it just makes you think. It really, really makes you think about a lot of things, whether or not you know what those answers are, because I think that that's kind of where I am right now. I'm like, Jesus, like this gave me a lot of feelings. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, um, what, I mean, I don't think that we will, I I mean, I know that you're curious and I, I appreciate that. Um, I think that just in my head, we 
won't need to see what Jocelyn was like, or we won't need to see any flashbacks because the history is going to repeat itself clearly that it's oh, already yeah. showing. So, you know what I mean? Like, and especially point. how, I mean, like in that scene where we can, I mean, I don't know if we want to just jump to it right now because it's, I, I don't know. I really just want to talk about it, but the scene where she gives the toast, it's at the very end. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then he starts to break her open to Tedra starts to break Jocelyn open about her past trauma with her mother um, and we've had little Easter eggs this whole time about her mom, and we've known that Jocelyn has suffered abuse by her mom's hands. I was going into it thinking that her mom was just very narcissistic stage mom and, you know, mm. what was just made her feel ugly or not good enough. And and that's why, you know, it's like it's hard for her to look in the mirror and it's hard for her to do things and she doesn't have that inspiration. I thought that she was using more of a mental um a mental uh, way of how Chedros explains it, like giving her inspiration and mm-hmm. which I think is, is really interesting the way that he's able to turn to twist things that should be negative and foul into a way of, of positive um, context, um, which I is mean, something that an abuser does. I'm and- so glad you brought that up because I, to an extent, right. Because there's a lot of things that I agreed with in this. As much as I, it pains me to say that, there's so many things that I agreed with that I did not agree with on like a physical level. But I also know that the best way to get through anything is to fucking face it. And that, you know, it, it was a little parental for me. Like I, many, many times in my life, and I am very thankful there, for this, my stepfather was like, if you're scared, the best thing is to face it and go through it. If you want, yeah. But when we're talking about abuse, well, then it's positive. yeah, it's parental, right? Yeah. So I understand the mm, repackaging that he's doing. Yeah, but I mean, in this case, it is diabolical and manipulative, and yeah. what an abuser does, not what a parent does. He's just making, Absolutely. he's wrapping it up and making it look like it's positive, and yeah, you know. So yeah, so I don't want anyone. You know, I don't know. It's just it to me. It it really what what shifted for me in this is showing that there was actually substance because of how they were able to flip the context in something like that make your trauma your inspiration and blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is my point was just that I think that we're going to get my, what my theory was, was that it was going to be just narcissistic, uh, verbal and emotional behavior, not physical. Right. And so I didn't know that it was going to get there. That was absolutely jarring and fucking traumatizing. And that's why I'm like, I don't want to see it. It's going to be really hard for me to watch this show going forward because of that. And I'm happy that they kind of blurred the lines a bit. They made it a little chopped and skewed and, and, mm-hmm. you know, they put an overlay over it, over it, over the scenes and it wasn't as like clear, but it, it still is going to be, yeah. it's going to be so hard. And that's why I'm like, I don't need to see her mom. If, if we get a flashback, I don't even know if I could watch this show. You know, yeah, it's, no, it's not, it's not something that is, that is too much of a trigger warning for anybody that ha- or too much of a trigger for anybody that actually has faced abuse like that physical abuse so when i thought that when it got to that point of the hairbrush and we could have almost assumed that because she was hitting herself with the hairbrush in episode two and it's 
you know, something um, that we saw. That right, she that's was- a really good foreshadow that I didn't catch. And I just want to say, why did it have to be the largest fucking square hairbrush? I really thought it was going to be just like a normal fucking hairbrush. And like, why I get it. Would that? Really if it's a tool used for abuse, then no, it's not going to be yeah, a fucking comb. Still, a, a regular hairbrush is still going to hurt. Yeah. Like those, you know, like a good Conair fucking one that you have for like 10 a- years. For, yeah. You know, like, I just, that was a little yeah. cliche for me. I was like, okay, we, we get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so when it turned into that and my point of us, we're going to see her go through the exact same emotions and the exact same thing mm-hmm. and how everybody responds to it because the only people that were there were the managers, Leah, and and um, I can't remember his name right now, but he's played by Troy Sivan. He's the creative director. And mm-hmm. Um, and they both, Tedros, confronted head on at the table. Did you only stay because of the money? What did you do to help her, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera? So the fact that they were able to sit there and say there was not, we couldn't, we didn't feel like we could do anything almost gave him an in. I feel like it almost like let him know that as long as the intimidation is there and as long as Jocelyn is saying that it's okay, that it, they, they have no right. And I think right. that they're going to be more involved. I think that the creative director is going to be more involved in the actual abuse and the the bystander of it. I think Leah, as was this dynamic at the table where he has um, Isaac take her away, um, I think that that's going to continuously happen where he's going to throw, you know, oh, a yeah. blinder over Leah's eyes. Isolation is what I wrote no, in my Exactly. Yeah. So I think that it was just, you know, the whole thing was, and I mean, we've already seen that he's had abusive tactics with his his tribe right with his culties and uh um with the shock therapy and all that stuff the shock whatever not therapy at all but the the shock shock treatment snake dance yeah like the yeah um so we we already knew that there were you know there was a physical aspect of his um reprimanding but i i really didn't think that it was gonna get this far and I don't know. It scared the shit out of me. It's like, I I will fully admit that I am a survivor of um, physical abuse by somebody that, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's really fucking hard to watch. Like, it's Mm -hmm. really hard to watch. Yeah, no, it was definitely painful. Um, It made me feel uncomfortable. I think the story, I'm just so intrigued by the story. I want the details, you know, like, as terrible as that is, I just think that I'm a visceral person. Like, I not need to see to believe, but I'm just like, fuck, yeah, like, I am I have questions. You know, yeah, like, maybe yeah. having more of a physical, uh, um, just, like, more of a depiction, I would understand it more. Like, I, I just, you know how it is. Loose yeah. ends, you only get so much screen time. They only give you so much, and you kind of wonder about other things. I, yeah. I kind of think that's where I am. But I do want to rewind this a little bit to the beginning, and just talk about the first song, the scoring, obviously beautiful still for the third episode, but my overall feeling of this episode and the first song, especially those first like few notes, the first eight count, it feels like you're getting addicted to drugs. Yeah. That is what this episode felt like. Mm-hmm. That's what that song felt like. Yeah. And like not... To be like, oh, this is so relatable, but we know that relationships can be addicting. 
Yeah. You know, like I have felt that to my core. And I think yeah, that anyone has codependency, like, babe. Yeah, but like even like just like deep, you know, like falling in love or what you think is love, you know, yeah. um I thought that was depicted really well. I mean, I did too. I think that um with this it was like it just felt kind of cliche like the like the beginning the shopping of well first of all episode starts with a nipple and i'm just like are you come on can we just can we just go through one whole episode without a nipple like just one but you know in every episode and that kind of turns me off yeah um so and it's just it like there it's just different angles and it's like is she laying in a million different spaces on the bed so you can get the perfect angle so where the fucking you know I don't know it's just like it's just get it it's just like and I'm not even a person that has ever been not a fan of nudity I fucking love nudity I'm like I won't watch a show unless there's cursing in it and unless there's sex in it that's why I pretty much only watch HBO and like now and like British TV um hashtag hb yeah exactly so i'm just like yeah you won't catch me watching fucking anything that's on 8 p.m at on fucking cbs like that's just that's yeah. never been me i've always been like a person because i'm just like the thing is is the reality is naked bodies and sex and cursing and drugs and all this yeah, stuff happens sounds. like that's that's as that's realistic so um but like this i'm just like it's just extra you know it's unnecessary but so um i do have something to say about the nudity I do think that there's a couple connections here and I could be absolutely reaching, but I think that the nudity and the voyeuristic nature of the show and seeing and also seeing abuse on like a very personal level, like it's happening in front of you, literally, Mm -hmm. um, I think like framing it and seeing her nude all the time, it does allude to that vulnerability and that, what is it called? The bystander effect. And and like, and I think like bystander has like a voyeuristic quality, you know, cause you're just seeing and watching and you're frozen, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that there's like an artistic play here. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like I have to see a little bit more, but I do feel like, like I almost feel like like yeah I I think that that could be definitely like where where the idea is coming from I almost feel like the more we see her naked the more desensitized we get to her naked and okay. the the less vulnerable we might like maybe it's supposed to be sort of uh I don't know I have no idea why I just I just hope that well, there I is actually that- I don't and the thing is like I don't mind it if there is a reason for it outside of just artistic. Like, I just want to show boobs because I think that right. the woman well, body is pretty or, you know, you I feel like there's that. a legitimate, I just hope that there's a legitimate reasoning for it by the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, for me on like an artistic level, nakedness, newness always means extreme vulnerability. Yeah. Like, you know, on a, on the visual aspects, you have nothing to protect yourself. You are bearing your soul. Basically, you're not hiding anything. Um, or what society deems we should hide, you know? So like in that sense, I kind, I can kind of see a through line. Um, I think even from the first scene of her in the first episode being nude in front of the camera and everyone's around her. and, And I mean, she's basically nude, whether or not like 
everything that she wears in this show, we can see exactly what her body is like. Yeah. I don't, there's not a lot left to the imagination. And to me, that is like, she has no real like inner um, protection. Yeah. It's showing on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even when it's modeled in the... fucking vulnerable. uh, Yeah, no, and that would make sense even if, like, because in the first episode, she's the one that wants to get naked. So it's Mm -hmm. like, even if it's modeled in this, um, you know, I don't know, in this confidence, like the self-confidence and and autonomy, it's still, Mm -hmm. she still is vulnerable. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do want to talk about the shopping trip. Yes. Um, I was... This is one of the things I said to Maddie before this that um, there are things that I like, there are things that I don't like, and then there's things that I just think are straight up corny. Um, There were like a few points of this shopping trip that I thought were corny. Oh, when he's talking shit to the employee. That's, I mean, that wasn't even corny. That was just straight up. That was just straight up foolish. It was like even his top lip was. It just made him not intimidating. And I'm like, the weekend you really thought you were doing it. I that angle did not work for him. How soft his voice is. I think (laughs) that's where it like didn't completely sell it for me. Um, but what I did like about that moment is that it's just like very classic signs of like isolation, control. I'm like, oh, this is all very familiar. I know. Well, that's why it was fucking corny. Like, I'm just like, we don't need oh, to. Yeah. See- I want it to be more of a miss. Like the first episode, he was, yes, still cringe and yeah, kind of hot. But like, it was still this tension that was building. It was this, we don't know what you're capable of. I do think that like all of this happening by episode three is a bit of a fucking rush, but we don't even know. I mean, I'm not sure. I I don't think I looked up how many episodes they're supposed to be. It's either going to be eight or 10. It, it usually it's probably eight. Eight. it's the first season. Well, yeah. So I'm just like, like, and I get, but I mean, just on that note, um, something that the weekend did say is that he's not even thinking about season two yet. Yeah. I don't even know so if the word yet. Out. Well, I don't even even know if the word yet was used. I, it just, the, I mean, the articles, of course, you can't really believe in, like 100% what you read, but um, mm-hmm. it was making it seem like that season two is an afterthought that it might end completely with this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm just like, in that case, like I get that it's why it's moving so mm-hmm. quickly, but I just think that, yeah, it's moving quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of the things are just really fucking on the nose that don't need to be. We didn't need that scene of him yelling at the Valentino fucking store worker, you know? I like, know. This man was just trying to make his check. That, as like, as someone in any kind of service industry or retail industry, service, I'm like, yeah. man, fuck this guy. Yeah. Literally, let's... Uh, I don't even know. You can't even do anything because you're trying to keep your job. But I was just yeah. like, let's let this man work. I know, literally and talk about Jocelyn exactly and I just think from like an entirety like that just a big picture standpoint I'm like you guys fucking Abel Sam and Reza was it was unnecessary two on the nose two mm-hmm. on the nose like it it did not need to happen um mm-hmm. like we already understand that this man is fucking horrible we could have mm-hmm. I all I needed to see was that dinner scene to to know how diabolical he was. The controlling yeah. man is so out fucking dated and outplayed and overplayed. Like I'm just like, 
we've all had this in our lives personally. Like we don't need to see this on TV. Like we get it. Like we don't like yeah. we don't need to see it. Just like there's things about that. I'm just like things don't need to be so obvious. Like you don't need to give us any more than what's necessary for us to get the picture. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, I no, that it was I sometimes you only need three lines to get that it's a square. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get it. Very good point. Uh or very good way of saying that. But yeah, so the shopping trip, um, my favorite part just about the whole sequence was um it was very Sam Levinson to have it be kind of messy back and forth. Uh you know, with like Leah up and down Rodeo Drive talking oh, to wow. Haim and and um and then it's just like going back and forth to Haim and then to the the studio exec, I forget his name, Finkelstein, Fink, mm-hmm. and then back to, you know, Tedros and Joss in the in the changing room and how quickly she's getting in and out of stuff. And it just felt very like chaotic and fun. So like yeah. I liked the the way that all of that was like not necessarily directed, but I liked the way that it was strung. Those scenes were strung together. Yeah, it's kind of like a merry-go-round. The edit, yes, exactly. Way. And it feels it felt very um, euphoria at yeah. the um, at the carnival. That's yeah. exactly honestly, how it felt. That gives me merry-go-round kind of shooting as well. Like it, it, it like it that's very much was. It was, yeah. yeah. It was like a. It, they they literally set up a track in the carnival scene to go from like Maddie and Cassie to then to yeah. ruin, and it, it literally was all on track being filmed in one take, which was really fucking cool and innovative. And I felt that same energy in this. And I really liked it. Um, and I was like, yeah, this has Sam Levinson written all over it, which I appreciate because I do really, really love his directing style outside of the decisions that he makes in his writing or what he shoots. But like his directing style has always been, I've always been a fan of. Um, yeah. And I can just say that the managers and fucking Leah are hilarious. Oh my God. Oh <laughs> my God. They really are. Leah is the smartest, dumbest person in the show. And I feel so bad because she's not an idiot. She just can't express, well, what's going on. And again, I just want to reference back to what I already said. is just like her trying to explain to somebody what the fuck is happening. They can't really understand it because it's a slow burn. It's not like, oh, he's coming in here and he's beating our asses. It's, It's not so clear cut and like, you can see that she cannot get the fucking message across. She yeah. doesn't even know how to say it. No, she doesn't. Um, and I think that, you know, there's like, yeah, she doesn't know how to say it. She didn't. She said, oh, he fired her chef. R.I.P. That chef was so hot. Um, yeah. And she was she just says, like, he fired the chef instead of saying, no, he smacked like he smacked him across the face and made Jocelyn fire her own chef. Right. right? Like, right. like intimidation tactics. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so she's not getting the message across. And then the other manager, and I'm forgetting her name now, too. I don't have the cast list. Yeah. So um, she's just like, you know, I told you that girl was dumb as shit. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I wrote in my notes. I was like, Leah is not brain dead, you fucking bitch. She's the (laughs) only one with her head on. But not really, because I know that Haim and Destiny, they're playing it smart honestly yes. that's they're playing it incredibly smart, smart. yeah incredibly mm-hmm. yeah because they can't have leah knowing their shit of course she's you know 
she's not the best at organizing. She's not tactical. She's not the, and she's not the best ally in this situation. No. She doesn't she wouldn't really add anything. They're kind of just letting her suffer for a bit while they figure shit out in the back end. Yeah. But yeah, that was another thing that was very funny just even in that like what I said that I loved about episode one was the quick dialogue um, between Jocelyn's team and how hilarious it is because you like you don't even catch things that they say until 30 seconds later. And I love humor like that. Um, but it was like this and this, but it, except it was going back and forth. I'm standing outside of the car. Destiny's in the car. Like Leah's up and down Rodeo Drive. And then it's like they're all trying to talk. And then Fink is like you know, bleeding out of my ass more than, oh my God, this was the Jeffrey Epstein joke was fucking too much. And um, so, yeah, there's, they, and I I said this from episode one, even in the description that we wrote for our podcast episode was like this, they are going to carry the comedic relief for this show, this group of people. And so, yeah, they're not, it's a great group of actors and they're, they're, doing their best they're like truly they're doing a great job so yeah yeah well my favorite part of the sex trip shopping trip was when she pushes him off and she's like you can't come in me bro Mm -hmm. and he's like what the fuck and she's like whatever it was such a girly pop moment i was like Mm -hmm. you go and fucking be and he's like what am i gonna do she says i don't fucking know and his disgusting ass fucking jerks off and finishes in the fucking valentino fucking dressing literally he can't even afford that shit himself also i don't know if you caught that when when they finally got back to the house and leah is carrying all their stuff back and she's got like four bags of clearly women's clothes and then she's got two suit carriers so like clearly Uh jocelyn bought him two suit or two outfit two male outfits because it was it was two male things so i'm just like he's just jerking off and having his fucking his little boo thing buy him shit and he's just jerking off on shit that he absolutely cannot afford like the disgrace the disgrace (sighs) yeah so um another thing i wanted to say about this scene because it's disgusting and she calls him disgusting but she kind of like giggles about it Mm -hmm. and like she's kind of here for it and i wanted to say that I think the reason that she gets on so well with Tedros is probably because she feels disgusting. Truly. And that, like, when you have that kind of energy, you you see that kind of energy. You, you can see it in somebody else. What do you mean feels and, disgusting? Well, I think that overall her mom made her feel disgusting. Probably. Most likely, I'm assuming. And I think that she feels that way probably about herself in general. Um, that's probably why she does like the sexcapades and shit that she does and fucking what, just whatever that she wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but in like, in more, on more of a dark side, more of the detrimental side, you know, mm-hmm. like, but she's like, okay, people judge me for this. She cares about what people think. And she knows that it's taboo. So I think that she sees that taboo in him too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why she feels so like deeply understood. You know, she's like, oh, my disgusting knows you're disgusting. Loves it. Yeah. Um, My favorite part of the sex shopping trip was when she 
um, called him gay. That was my favorite part. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Oh my god, yeah, no, that was why they had sex because he was like, "Yeah, I have to teach you a lesson. You can't. We're gonna talk shit now." She was being a brat about it, um, and but she was like, you know, he was telling her that he didn't like her style, and um, and she was like, "Oh, well, I get it." Like years ago, which is also in this episode. I just want to throw in really quick that um, we knew that she had been successful before. But we didn't know how, like, for how long. And in this episode, we got quite a few little context clues that she was a child star. And mm-hmm. so that makes a big difference, I think. Like, think Britney Spears or Lindsay Lohan or any of mm-hmm. the, I mean, Lindsay Lohan's not a pop star, but you know what I mean. Just that class yeah. of women. Yeah. Um, but she, he, she was like, oh, well, I get when I was younger, but like, you don't like my style now. And he was like, eh. And like, it's just teasing her a little bit. And, um, and she's like, well, I think you're like, that's because I think you're gay. And, and then he was like, what? And she was like, or he said, I'm not fucking gay or something like that. And she was like, oh, even the way you said that sounded gay. Oh, and I was like, yes, 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 sis. Because guess what? Probably is. Sorry. Just saying it. It's fluid for sure. He's probably (laughs) pansexual as fuck. He does not care. Yeah, no, but he is not. He's not going to admit that. He's too macho. Yeah. The the fucking toxic masculinity radiating out of his fucking small chin is just, it's incredible. Oh, God. <laughs> God his small fucking chin. Sorry. Sorry, the weekend. I'm just. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um. By the way, just to circle back to fucking the managers and how they handle the situation with um Tedros you know obviously they're playing it very cool and they're like yeah 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 like oh my god we can't believe you made this song in a fucking night we're obsessed with it everybody hates the song Mm -hmm. um they're kind of grilling him and they're getting to the bottom of it and then when they get back in the car and I just had to say this because it's written in all caps in my notes never trust a dude with a rat tail my grandma always told me Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. and now we're telling you guys yeah. so there you have it yeah never try to do with a rat Honestly. tail yeah i mean that also toxic masculinity what the fuck is going on there I just apparent well and apparently this is just a production note that um the the weekend's character tetris's character was gonna look exactly like the weekend they actually were filming a lot of it where, where he just looked like himself he just had his normal hair um and dressed like himself and you know didn't look like a a pimp from an alley in 1970 a vampire pimp is what he looks like literally (laughs) and then uh, i guess as like watching it back and talking about it they decided that he needed to look like more grody so they put him in a wig yeah well it's a grody ass wig (laughs) great job team great job um so then we move more into the dinner scene and mm-hmm. the brush scene. And I oh, well, actually, you know what I did want to talk about before we talked about that was the scene of Jocelyn and the the misfits, mm-hmm. where and yes, scene. Yeah. So one thing that um, like I liked about it, and what you were talking about is like a lot of what was said in this was actually really like thought provoking, and it mm-hmm. rang true and to you know some of the ideas that we have and stuff. And there was a point where um, 
where Isaac asks Jocelyn to sing and she says no. And then he starts to explain why Tedros wouldn't like that and why the idea of saying no means that you're turning down an opportunity or an experience that could benefit either yourself or other people and whatever. And then again, kind of shifting this like, um, don't say no to something that you know will be self-detrimental because it could help somebody else. And the thing is, is what they did use, again, a lot like Tedros has already done twice with Donna Summer and Prince, they used Robert Plant, who was mm-hmm. the lead singer of Led Zeppelin, as um, an, as an example here. And I thought that that was really... First of all, one thing that I do really love is that they are pulling in not like very good... Um, I think musical references, like historically musical references. Um, I didn't even know that Robert Plant had a son that died when he was five. So that was news to me in this. Mm -hmm. And I've been a Led Zeppelin fan for, I don't know, fucking 20 years. So like, that was really cool that I'm like, I'm learning things from the show too, just on a personal note. But Mm -hmm. I thought that that conversation was really interesting. And it's where you started to see this is truly a cult. Like this yeah, is absolutely 100% their ideas, their whole ideology is shifted because of what Tedros has said to them. Right. And I, I'm glad that you brought this up too, because I have to say that this conversation was powerful and it made me think, and not that it shifted me, but the artist in me, the creative in me, you know, sometimes I wonder if I can create good art without having like a bad experience because mm-hmm. I do think the the best art comes from like, like, I hate to say this, but like, I do think better art comes from like trauma because you really have something to say. You have a message, an important well, one. Well, yeah, but I mean, then there's also a level of art that comes from somebody that might not have as many tra- traumatic experiences, but that's also relatable to a lot of fucking people. Sure. You know I'm, I mean? I'm definitely not saying that that isn't possible, but, you know, the best art, the, the artwork that I remember the most that has like that kind of like impact. And I'll just say, I don't know who the artist is because I just saw it on TikTok earlier, but it's an artist in India, this guy, and he had to flee India because he was putting women in cow masks and taking photographs of them because cows are really sacred. And like, mm-hmm. if you slaughter a cow in India, there's like really harsh penalties. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, well, why don't we treat our women so sacredly? Because, you know, rape, murder, violence, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that fucking struck a chord in me and I was like, okay, like not to say that this should be happening. It shouldn't be happening, but if it wasn't how the message I don't know. Do you follow kind of my I mean, my Yes. Line yeah. Of no, and I think that I I agree. Like I think that um a lot of even if we're talking not just about art like in a I mean, we're bringing it back to music a lot of um like our favorite like things that we've talked about and connected on the most in terms of music or like musical art is are things that are really deep that both of us understand and i think that that's a lot of a big theme in this was and a big theme with jocelyn is she wants to be liked but she also wants to be relatable and she wants to say something that's true to her and mm-hmm. she's having a hard time finding where that balance is and where that is and i think that a lot of artists have that right like they Mm -hmm. go through that kind of lack of inspiration and that 
you know, writer's block, so to speak. But, um, but yeah, no, I think that I, I agree. I mean, I think that most of the art that I've ever really indulged in or that's ever really sat with me has been something especially, but I, honestly, it's always been something that I don't understand that I'm like, oh shit, like this really sat with me. Because the things that I do understand, they're relatable. And I'm like, okay, yeah, already lived that, done that, been through that. Like, I don't think it sits with me as much as like something that I don't get. Like you, like with this whole the women's thing in India and now understanding like the sacredity of the cows in India and stuff like that, like that, I think that's why it it was jarring, but it was just new enough for you to be like, oh shit, like I didn't know this and now this is going to sit with me forever. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I think mean, that I knew the cows were sacred. You know, well, no, but I'm saying like it was just a very new experience viscerally yeah, for you to see. It was, that. yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that you know, in terms of like where you're coming from with uh writing or not with writing, but with making art and and creating something, um, it doesn't. I don't think that it matters if you had. This is just, and also for all our art, artsy girlies out there, I don't think it matters that you haven't, but your mom didn't die or you didn't have this or you were, you know, never molested or what, like it, you don't have to have these crazy traumatic experiences to be able to create something that's going to sit with somebody. You, you know, if they haven't seen it, it's going to sit with them, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. But uh, yeah, like there is, I don't know. I would say that just from a creative perspective, the most inspired I've ever felt is when like something that happens that's that's terrible to say and I don't want to condone this like methodology it's it's not like that because I've created lots of beautiful things as well that you know I was happy to create and yeah. I was coming from a happy place do I think those artworks are as impactful no no definitely not yeah so you know just I I do think that's very interesting and I do think that a lot of my favorite artists when I do you think about them or even like some old old artists that I really enjoy um a lot of what they produced came from pain yeah so I mean I agree I think that um that probably inspires people more than I don't know and that's the thing and I think that that's what I like about this show and what is thought-provoking about it is that it is based around art and it is based around literally what I think the through line through all of it is, is, you know, what makes a good artist and and what makes like not necessarily just a good artist, but like a healthy artist, because mm-hmm. Jocelyn could be a good artist through and through. And maybe it is pain that's her inspiration. But how do you handle that in a healthy way? And I think that a lot of even modern day artists, especially artists from back when we didn't have as much resources with mental health um, they had to deal with this. So I think that it's interesting to talk about it, you know, especially with you who you are an artist and you have created and you love to create, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's really cool to talk about it because I think that that's exactly what Jocelyn is struggling with. And that's exactly what Tedros is saying is that, you know, sh- your mom abused you, but she inspired work out of you. So you right. need that inspir you miss that inspiration or you would miss it if you actually liked what you were producing. Right. Right. And and I wanted to bring this up. Like there's a couple through lines here that like obviously he repackages it and I don't agree with the abuse, but I do agree with 
if something is hard, is it worth it? I mean, nothing worth it is easy. We've heard that cliche over and over again for our whole lives. So like, I agree with that. And I do agree with turning your trauma into inspiration. Mm-hmm. I agree with that fucking fully. You need yeah. to turn that into motivation and fuel and fire. Yeah, if you can, of course. If you can, if yeah. you can. And I do think that before you get there, there's a lot of steps that happen in between. You are. It doesn't go from trauma to handling it healthy. Yeah. I think but- even if you have the best support and everything, you're going to be a little self-detrimental. Like, it happens. That's part of the, what is it, like the grief process or just the process of dealing with shit in life. Like you go through anger, I'm upset, maybe a little addiction, then you come out of it, then you relapse, whatever the fuck it might be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's definitely not linear. Yeah, no, not at all. I think that, yeah, and where it gets, um, where it can get really toxic really fast is if you're not getting, I mean, I think especially for, this is really, try- she had like a direct abuser that she grew up with in her own home and now- she has a direct abuser in her own home again. But I think mm-hmm. that if we're talking about and like what I think about every second that I'm watching this show is how is how similar is this to every artist that we watch and we adore from afar today? Like the, like in today's day, like every artist that's ever existed that's made it, you know, I, I just think about that. It reminds me so much of like the Britney Spears situation mm-hmm. or, you know, the Madonna or the whoever it was, like, even if they weren't outwardly struggling because it like, it's so it just, I think about that a lot because they really, really made Jocelyn's character so perfectly alike with them. Um, but the thing is where I think it gets toxic with that is like, yes, pain and suffering and trauma breeds amazing art for sure. No one can deny that, but what happens when the pain is done? Do you continuously hurt yourself then to just breed more inspiration and art? Like that, that's where it's toxic. That's where it's fucked up. And that's where it's diabolical. And I think that that's, that's what we're seeing is like the shift of, um, okay, we've come to like, she's admitted to herself that, yeah, my mom abused me. Yes, it was traumatic, but yes, it also inspired work from me. Mm -hmm. And then we, then stayed on that for about 30 seconds and then immediately shifted over into okay so now we know what we have to do right like Mm -hmm. we have to continuously hurt you and i think that a lot of people deal with that and i think a lot of people itself it like it's self-harm it's self-medicating it's self whatever it is so many people struggle with this that i think that like that's the big picture of this and i i really like the show because it's putting a spotlight on that in the most disgusting way but that's what's needed, you know? I agree. I agree. You know, like, I know that this is Hollywood and it's a little dramatized, but I do think that like, I don't think I really don't a light on some of the disgusting fucking behaviors that happen with vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be honest. I'm glad it's being shown because I'm like, people need to fucking know, like you don't understand it unless like, what's that phrase? You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Yeah. You really fucking don't unless yeah, exactly. you have a window in. And exactly. I think that this is giving a good window into kind yep. of understanding more of like what these things look like and exactly. how it snowballs into this thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I don't just look at it like, um, oh, he's 
hitting her with a hairbrush or even if it wasn't that specific, he's physically abusing her. Mm-hmm. I think that that, yeah, yes, that's really a little right. Hollywood. I mean, and not in all cases. I'm I'm sure that's the case in a lot of, in a lot oh, of yeah. people's I, lives. I'm sure. But, Sam but like I said, what I thought was that it was going to be more of a verbal, emotional, narcissistic abuse from her mother that he was then going to give to her was like mm-hmm. love bombing her, then leaving her, then making mm-hmm. her feel horrible about herself and, and et cetera, et cetera. And making her come back from that every single time. That's what I thought it was going to look like. Um, but then there's so many ways. I mean, there's drugs, there's like, there's so many things that people do to get themselves down, to get themselves back up, or they can't get themselves back up and they kill themselves trying to get inspiration again. Or they're so depressed because they don't have the inspiration again because they've actually grieved their parents' death or their child's death. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's so it's like, I just, I feel like, like that's, it's a really good showing. I think Jocelyn's story is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really good. I think it's really well written. Um, I think that Tedros, like, could use some work just in overall writing, but I think that, the villain role that he's playing here is supposed to be controversial is, and it's, it's also a testament to, I think Sam Levinson going back to like Rue, right? Like Rue is our girl. We love her, right? We only want the best for her. We understand that she's a victim, but we also understand that she's bad, right? And like with Tedros, like, yeah, there's not really a victimness in him. We're getting only bad, but we do understand I guess the thought behind, I don't know. We just, it's, it's not all black and white. It's very gray. Correct. You know? Yeah. And I'm actually really glad that you brought it, uh, like threw it back to Rue because going back to like this episode, feeling like addiction, drugs, uh, relationship, you know, Rue's character is based on Sam Levinson's experience, mm-hmm. you know, obviously a little bit dramatized, not exactly what he went through, but there's a lot of similarities. Like Rue is him in a character sense. And I think like coming into this with that kind of like, if, if imagine if Sam Levinson as a young person, as Rue, like kind of druggy, kind of like, just like sensitive and into things Mm -hmm. Imagine what of relationships he must have had during Horrible. those times. Horrible. Yeah. Or how he could have been pulled into dangerous situations because of the submissiveness he was in or under. Like this show to me, the idol really, it's not exactly his experience, but I think he brings such a level of that, like that in that blurriness that I'm young, I'm making bad decisions. I have, uh, an addictive habitual habit, whatever that might be to, um, you know, relationships are toxic. They can be, whether yeah. it's a cult or it's just a controlling ass fucking boyfriend. Yeah. I think he's playing on that really well. Yeah. Really, really fucking well. Like honestly, hats off to him. Like I know that he's problematic and he's got his controversies, but I think that there is a fucking through line. I think there's a through line here. Yeah. Yep. I um really appreciate listening to him speak about we got from this episode the first inside the episode um at the end of it in the in um episode 1 and 2 we didn't get that and um hearing him speak about it is is really like insightful and it kind of brings me back from 
all of the ah, what's happening so mm-hmm. many tits what yeah. is Pedro saying like, why is this happening like why do we need this and then it kind of brings me back into like okay there is like a full thought here it's not just agreeings it's not just you know yeah um, it's not just like a run on thought yeah exactly. it has no end in sight yeah yep and there is like a reason for there's a method to the madness and um and so yeah so if you guys um are interested or if you find the show controversial as most people on the internet do um and you find the show i mean a lot of people we are unpopular and talking about it in any sort of positive way i hope you know that like yeah, I know. I everyone hates it. <laughs> so you know, sometimes um, you got to be the villain. I know, okay? and, and and truly, like we're not sitting here and advocating for it. We can't possibly no. do that because we don't know how it's going to end, or what's going to happen, or how. Like, I mean, something absolutely fucking terrible could happen, appallingly, mm-hmm. and be so controversial and so like canceled. Next yeah. episode, we just don't know, right? Yeah, hundred so, percent. We're just and taking we're just it. To it with open arms. I think you know we're interested in TV and film uh, and talking about it because the shit is thought provoking. So like, we're just trying our best to take it, live with it, and not just be so critical right off bat. Uh, not to say that there aren't some deserving moments of that, but um, you know we just want to be as like open minded as we can be because. You know, like this shit is also art, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and art is subjective as fuck. So here we are. Yep. Uh, I just want to talk about a couple other things. Um, I want to reel it back because something you mentioned last pod is about the girl. I forgot her name, but she's like the she's kind of like childish. It, she gives like vibes that she grew up in a cult, and I just want to double down on that. Okay, because yeah, so her name is Chloe. She's played Chloe. by Susanna Son, who is um, a fantastic singer and who I realized after the fact wrote the song that she sang in last episode. So fun oh. fact. Yeah, she wrote it for the show. That's yep. really cool. Um, I, that was a great song too. Kudos. Yeah, it was. Kudos to her. Um, so yeah, I just really want to talk about the moment that her and Joss have. And just to back it up even a little bit more, uh, there's like two scenes where they're like cut together. We see Diane is doing the dance and the song in Jocelyn's place. Mm-hmm. And then it flashes right over to Jocelyn on the piano with um two tone eyebrows and Chloe. Yeah. Isaac, right? That's his yes. name. Isaac. Yeah. So they're just like playing melodies and she's literally, she's not even singing words. She's just singing sounds. And I really liked that because I was like, oh, like you're just like feeling it. You're just getting to your roots. And like, I thought that was a nice moment, although it did give two different cults type of vibes. I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, there's this kind of cult and then there's this kind of cult. But Chloe and her are sitting in the windowsill and she's asking her about her mom. And the questions that she asks are childish and not in a, like a, Oh, that was childish of you to say that like in a negative connotation. I just mean that like, it felt like a kid would ask these questions. Mm -hmm. You know, she said, was it painful? Like, did it hurt when your mom died? Yeah. And like, that's, And I know that she probably already knew the answer, but, like, I could see a child at, like, six, five, eight, 
around that age saying that to somebody who they care about and are trying to comfort or are maybe curious about like they still don't understand death um to like a full extent like I just something about that and even the way she reaches out and like wipes the tear from her chin mm-hmm. um I've had some moments in serving in restaurants that kids have done similar things like that not where I was crying although I've definitely cried in the restaurant um but I remember one time I was bringing like some food to a table it was pizza and I put the pizza down but it it, they go they went on pizza stands because the bottom plate was hot of course the kid is like probably under five probably about three or four and he's excited and he goes to touch the pizza and I and I like pull it back up I'm like no no no, like it's hot you know and the parents are like oh it's hot you gotta sit down so instead of touching the pizza because he was so excited, he like touched and rubbed my arm. It was really, Aww. really sweet. But the moment of Chloe doing that to like instead of like hugging her, like, oh, like more I feel like hugging is more of the adult way to console. But like doing that tender touch was more like a child. Yeah, no, I feel like like an adult like to like to counter those two things is what an adult would do. An adult wouldn't ask, did it hurt or was it painful? They would ask, how did it happen? Or an adult yeah, instead of okay. touching, yeah, touching the chin to wipe the tear, it would be grabbing some their hand, you yeah, know, so like, like grabbing like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So like, I think that, you know, there is a childish tendency to her. I think that it also might be um, a mental t- something or other. Like it might, it might be, you know, she's, she's got autism. She's on the spectrum somehow, something like that, yeah. where she just doesn't have the same social. Yes. I know, but yeah, where she doesn't have the same kind of social cues. It kind of feels like she was probably brought into Tedros's um, cult very if young. In a cult, you probably don't have good social. That's skills. what I'm saying. Is that she? Yeah. It, it, what I'm reading is that she was brought in by him very young. Yeah, she yeah, already looks sense. very young. She yeah, still she, looks she very does. young. She does. Um, but yeah, that to me was very interesting. And we do get a cutscene of Jocelyn brushing her hair. Mm-hmm. And that was so nurturing, so mothering, so like ah, child to mother. I mean, I didn't hate it. I actually really loved this interaction. I did too. It felt really like authentic and sweet. And even Chloe for not being so, so close, like it felt really, and again, like on that childlike innocence, like it felt like she really cared. Mm-hmm. You know, like it didn't matter if Jocelyn wasn't super close. She was like, yeah, but this person went through like, immense pain and I feel bad for that yeah and I feel like kids have more capacity for that kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know as we are get older like we you know we do experience stuff and it desensitizes us and we have to deal with it in different ways and like you know again we uh don't ask the same types of questions because you know we know better so to speak so yeah I, I really liked that um it was very, very, very interesting. And then we get to the dinner. And, uh, you know, I know we've touched on this a bit already, but another thing that I wanted to bring up just on like that voyeur seeing aspect is um, when Tedros is talking about it at the table and he calls out the creative assistant. Creative director. Sorry, the creative director. And like, he basically 
makes everyone see the conversation, sends Leah away again with that isolation. And as a group, they go through the brush scene. Yeah. Like you don't see them all in the physical space together, but you know that the creative director is in there because he's crying. The one girl, Chloe, she like looks away because it's painful, but it was like, it was very like group, not therapy, but group experience. And it felt like, uh, not payback, but it was like BDSM voyeurism, which is very much a thing. Yeah. But, but like, I hate to like boil it down to just that because it felt to me like more than that. It felt more transcendent. Like you have to watch this to understand what you didn't help stop. You need to feel the real like guilt and shame. And we're all going to see like the way that he said there are no secrets at the table. And we, and to me that translated to the brush scene, like we don't experience anything different either. We all, if someone is suffering in this group, we're all suffering. Yeah. You know, so I don't know, like, I don't know how I feel about all of that, but I, I was kind of intrigued by it. I was like, oh, this, this whole like group experience, this group therapy, not therapy, but like, I don't know what the word is for this. No, right it's now. absolutely not therapy. No, um, it's not therapy. No, but like, it's, it's just, it's group fucking trauma is what it is. It like, well, yes. it's, it like, it's just so fucking triggering that like it. I, like, I think that you're right about the idea of having uh, the creative director in there with them. But I also think they did, him and Tedros did share a moment in, in earlier in the episode where Tedros does like him and thinks that maybe you are gully enough and maybe you are the lost child. You're, you're a fucking, what are they, what are they called in, in Peter Pan? Like you're a lost boy. Lost boy. Yeah. So I'm just like, like, I think that he, Tedros kind of saw something in him that he was like, okay, I can exploit this a little bit, the side of you. And I can, I can bring you right. in that he doesn't see in Leah because Leah stood yeah. up to him and, yeah. um, and if Leah genuinely cares about her. Maybe he does see it like either something that's sinister in in the creative director or something that's ex- like could be exploited. Oh yeah, to me that was a total play and manipulation of course, to of bond with him. The, the group situation, I agree. It is something that it's like like one for all and all for one. Like if mm-hmm. something is that just like he had, we saw when he was shocking Isaac. Everybody else was there watching, mm-hmm. it, but that's also a form of of. like just abuse in a way of keeping you feeling so exploited and so vulnerable and you are not only being abused behind closed doors but you're being abused in public around everybody else they've seen you it's it's like yeah it's like in constant or in the concentration camps or in fucking guantanamo bay they would make all the prisoners just walk around naked right because it's like nope we're not gonna let you feel any less vulnerable we're gonna make you feel as vulnerable as possible yeah. So it's yeah. it's the same concept and that's why it's so fucking sick, right? Like that's it but like and that's why I was like it I it took a turn for me actually being fucking interested because I was like, wow, this is the first real thing I've seen, right? Cuz this is what actually happens. And yeah. but like that's why it's triggering and that's why it's hard to talk about. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's hard to discuss these things because these are the things that happen. This is the Agreed. shit that R. Kelly did. 
You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Fucking exactly what happened, you know? So, yeah, and, I, and just, you know, on the other side of, like, one thing that I wrote in my notes just on the so much sex in this, I do think that it's really interesting that we're seeing so much sex. We are getting the cult thing. I've watched enough documentaries to know at the top level of every fucking cult it's always about sex, which I think is crazy as fuck. I'm like, okay, like you guys aren't trying to like take over states and like no, take over the world. No, sex is just sex it's is always sex at the top. But, it's so fucking but crazy. But you use the word transcendent, and we're talking about vulnerability, and we're talking about connection, and we're talking about exploitation, and what do all those things have in common? Like, if you did a word bubble of all of those things, sex would be in there somewhere. Oh right? yeah, like like it's it's human connection, and it's also because it's so viable in human connection. It's also viable in exploitation. It's used as a right. tool for it's, all it's a vulnerable part. Like sex is very vulnerable, whether or not it's powerful or if it's abusive. Like yeah. you know, so I do think that again, like that through line kind of makes sense to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, sex cults connection, bonding, trauma bonding, control, vulnerability, like all of that makes sense for like the amount of fucking sex we're getting in this show. Yeah. Um, um, and again, still like, I, I think it's too much. I think it's unnecessary, but I can see a little bit of. Uh, yeah. Know. I understand why it was so sexually based beforehand. I, I think I always kind of knew that. I don't know why, like the, th- like the one thing, I didn't think that there was too much sex. I thought that her masturbating in two different, two back-to-back episodes was just a little much, but I mean, it's also showing like her eagerness and like, I get that. I just think that there's other more creative ways to do stuff like that. Maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not a fucking writer guys, but, um, yeah, but nonetheless, like, I, I get it. I think that it's going to be probably, I mean, I hope that this is where we get more of, like, a climax in the physical abuse of Jocelyn. Like, I hope that we don't have to see it mm-hmm. anymore. I just, I just personally don't want to see it. It was hard for me to watch. It was, and it was hard for me to watch it, especially because it was happening in front of other people in a way that she was already traumatized by. It was just, it felt so like, like, I, it just felt like so below the belt for me that, like, I'm like, okay, I get, like, I, cause what I was thinking where he was gonna go at the table was not doing the exact same thing, but like, right. okay, he does like to be physically abused a little bit so maybe like i'll just smack her up a little bit more or maybe like mm-hmm. you know i i don't know just something that was less like on the on the nose with like what her mom did i think that that was yeah, just I mean, he really, literally recreated the scene exactly and i'm like so i'm just like fuck like it's just it's a it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot for anybody yeah. that's been through traumatic things like that so it's like i'm like i hope that like, I want to explore more of the emotional side of it. I don't really need to see any more abuse. And I'm hoping that we don't get too much more of it. Like, just yeah. the physical side of it. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't really want to see more abuse, especially on that level. Like, that was a lot and it was fast. Um, I, again, like, it it intrigued me. Not in, like, a, oh, this was exciting and positive. I was like, holy fuck. No, but the shit's real, you know? Yeah, it it, it felt very real. It felt pretty authentic, you know, to be honest. I was like, okay, yeah, like, I know that this is how this happens. 
I fucking know it, you know? So, um, you know, just to, again, point out all of his little manipulations, he does say to her, you know, if you push through the pain, it will be beautiful. And again, I like what he said to an extent. I think that's very applicable in a lot of situations in life for people. You know, if you push through the pain, it will be beautiful because again, nothing good in life comes easy. So like, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to push through some painful fucking things. And especially as you get older, everything becomes harder and more painful. It just, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, so I thought that there was a lot of truth to that, but, you know, connected to the scene, I was like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. Like, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, I know, and I think that that's where it's like, you know, where these people that come into power, like cult leaders or pastors or presidents, like they say all the right things, but I'm like, but actually give them power in any situation, then see what those things actually mean. Yeah. To yeah, them. absolutely. Um, so to finish off the episode, the last line of the episode, Jocelyn says to Tedros, it's the following morning. Um, and it made me so fucking sad, but it was such a close to the, uh, I'm addicted. Um, well, it was just like the, the just classic codependency Stockholm syndrome. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. She yeah. said, thank you for taking care of me. And I yeah. just, like, you know, I got really scared. I was like, fuck dude, like this is not going to be good. Um, we don't have to get into that too much because I think that everybody kind of fucking understands, but I do want to make a special mention of two things. And number one is at the end of the episode, right before that happens, they have a shot of the weekend where he's shirtless, but he has his do rag on and it's a profile of him. That shot was so beautiful. It was such a beautiful shot of him. I hope he gets that printed and framed in his home. I will not even think he's narcissistic. It was just so good. I was like, this is gorgeous. Um, And the other thing that I wanted to shout out was Isaac's song. I needed immediately. It was beautiful. Oh my God. It was so sexy. I loved it. His voice is gorgeous. And you know, it just made me very happy. So yeah. Any ending thoughts? Um, I don't think so. I just have no idea what to expect. I really just need the managers to come the fuck through. That's all. And continue being funny because God knows we need it. Yeah. And I also need Leah to fucking figure out her shit. Like figure out how to get the help. You dumb bitch. She needs like a speech therapy class, I think. And she needs to... God. grow some nuts like she, she needs, needs a to, confidence she needs, fucking I coach. She, I, like i think there's gonna be a point we're gonna see an arc with leah i believe where she's gonna get so angry and like fed up because at this point she's like does anyone else see what i'm seeing like yeah, she's do you think she feeling, might get hurt of course she will but no, i think that no. what do you mean physically hurt yes I, yes i don't think she's gonna die though <sighs> No. Most people need some jolt to figure their shit out. <laughs> Leah, oh my god. I feel like Tedros yeah. is going to like punch her. No, I mean, I think that no, he'll probably like, I don't know, his style, I'm like, he's going to threaten her and have her kidnapped and, you know, put in and then dropped off and fucking the Hollywood desert Palm Springs or something and, you know, I, he's going to scare the shit out of her, but I don't think he's going to kill her. 
I don't think he's like anything terrible is going to happen. Like, I don't think anything truly detrimental is going to happen to her, but I think that there's going to be something, there's going to be a shift where she like woman's the fuck up. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, we'll see. Thanks for joining us. Uh, sorry that this was such a heavy, serious overtone, but a lot of shit happens in this episode that was kind of serious. So join us next week. Hopefully it will be a little more lighthearted, it but will I don't know. It is only happen. going down from here. Yeah. Are you kidding, yeah. Madison? It's only, we're only going down from here. <laughs> yeah. So um, join us next week. We'll be back. Uh, follow us on all the platforms at Pod. And um, we hope you guys have a great fucking week. Stay kind of slutty for the drama. Bye. Bye.